Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is AudiHD, a podcast meant to educate the masses on AudiHD in women and to educate us women on how to live a fuller life, whether clinically diagnosed or not. I'm your host, Ashley, a professional AudiHDer. For more information on autism and ADHD, feel free to visit my website at www.ashleysartofintimacy.com, where we will be getting a bit more intimate about what it's like to live with AudiHD. Now, before I forget to record and you get bored, let's crack into it. What if I were to tell you that despite ADHD first being discovered in 1902 by Sir George Frederick Still and being officially recognized by the APA in the 1960s, that the study of women with ADHD is still in its infancy stage? Now, what if I told you that it wasn't until 1980 that the APA recognized that hyperactivity wasn't a required symptom for diagnosis? Lastly, What if I told you that until 2013, ADHD was classified as only a disruptive disorder of childhood? How does this make you feel? Because for me, this and the following information were some of the most infuriating I've ever learned. Before we dive too deep into this episode, I want to make sure that all my LGBTQIA plus individuals know they are seen, heard, and loved here. I will be using the term gender in the following episode to refer to male and female for ease of understanding. This does not represent my thoughts or feelings on the subject of gender norms, non-binary, transgender, babies, etc. I love you all and want to be as inclusive as possible. The data that I'm using to compile these statistics are based on the male and female sex and the respective gender roles placed upon them by society. Please feel free to write in with any corrections, suggestions, or thoughts on how to be more inclusive or if you feel your experience was the same or different when trying to get your diagnosis. I'm always learning and trying to better my understanding of the world around me and trying to be as inclusive as possible. The same goes for any and all minority groups. Please feel free to write in and help me better understand how I can correctly represent you in these episodes. This is a serious issue that we are facing with the diagnostic gaps in this world, and I want to be your voice if I'm able. That being said, ADHD is a pretty commonplace word, and for some, think males here, an easy enough diagnosis to get. However, for a lot of us women, it's a word that can ignite feelings of fear, anger, and shame. Those are just the tip of the iceberg though, because unlike many of our male counterparts, we have to fight tooth and nail not only for our diagnosis, but also to get the proper medication. Why, you ask? Well, because up until the DSM-5's most current edition, which was only released in March of this year, 2022, they have stated there are no significant differences between males and females with ADHD in symptoms, in severity, in prevalence, in number of symptoms, in number of comorbidities, in academic achievement, in efficacy, and tolerability of meds. Now, it simply states sex differences in ADHD symptom severity may be due to differing genetic and cognitive liabilities between sexes. I want to make note here that ADHD itself doesn't actually differ by gender. What differs is the genders themselves. We are biologically, neurologically, and socially different. Even despite those differences being acknowledged, however, there are no guidelines in the DSM-5 on what those differences may be or how to address them, but I'll gladly share a few with you here today. 
The first and the most common difference between women and men when it comes to symptoms of ADHD is how much more emotionally reactive women are. When we go in to get our diagnosis, many clinicians aren't aware of the right questions to ask based on gender. Instead, they see this common thread of emotional reactivity in us women and immediately assume a mood disorder. As you heard in the last episode, this is exactly what happened to me. I was taken in to see a psychiatrist around the age of 18 and diagnosed with anxiety and bipolar disorder. Now, anxiety, depression, and bipolar are a few of the more commonly diagnosed disorders in place of ADHD for women because the mood-based symptoms that are more commonly observable in us fit these disorders. Once again, this is because clinicians aren't aware of the right questions to ask and they aren't aware of what to look for based on gender. Most women present with an inattentive type ADHD, which means that we're more commonly going to show disorganization, inability to focus. We do not present very often with the hyperactivity that is very commonly associated with ADHD. Another big difference between women and men when it comes to symptoms of ADHD is how our menstrual cycles and hormones play into our symptom presentation. Women can present entirely different depending on where our hormone levels are and what part of our cycle we are in. This is something that I myself have noticed and experienced throughout the years. For me specifically, my ADHD symptoms are much more manageable and almost non-existent directly after my flow has ended up until ovulation. Once I ovulate, however, those symptoms start getting less manageable. I become more forgetful, more moody, more emotional, I have less of ability to focus, etc. This continues to get worse until the end of my flow, rinse and repeat that cycle every 30 days. So, for me, if I were to go get my diagnosis during the week and a half to two week period before I ovulate, I'm less likely to show the symptoms of my ADHD versus the two weeks post ovulation. This is something that most clinicians don't even consider when looking into diagnosing women and it can lead to a lot of us not getting that diagnosis that we so desperately need. Very similar to above, this simple difference between women and men can be confused for a mood disorder such as anxiety, depression, or even PMDD. For the last two years, I myself have thought that it was PMDD, come to find out it was actually my ADHD. The last difference I want to address today is the different expectations that society places upon the genders. Since the beginning of time, women have had these stereotypes of being more emotional, more talkative, more organized, and less disruptive than our male counterparts. This means that most of the symptoms present in the inattentive type ADHD may be overlooked due to unintentional gender bias, like the fact that we present more emotionally than men, or the fact that hyperactivity can present in women in the form of hypertalkativeness. These are just seen as normal women things, so clinicians unintentionally brush them off, or as stated above, wrongly assume that it's just anxiety, depression, or another mood disorder. Now, one thing that I do want to mention here is that just because I state that we are wrongly diagnosed with anxiety, depression, or another mood disorder does not mean that we don't have a comorbidity of that. So our main disorder might be ADHD with a side of anxiety or a side of depression. I know for me, my anxiety was actually ADHD based and no anxiety medication was helping that anxiety on its own. But once I started taking my medication for ADHD, that anxiety has dropped by at least 50%. 
There is also the pressure to fit into social norms. So this causes us to learn to mask our other symptoms like disorganization and disruptiveness due to fear of judgment from our peers. Emotionalness, hormones, and social bias are just a handful of the gender differences between ADHD in women and men. However, they are three of the most common reasons that women are less likely to receive referral from teachers, parents, or primary care providers, why we're less likely to get a correct diagnosis, and more importantly, less likely to be medicated at a reasonable age. The times are changing, but they aren't changing fast enough. We need more women in minority-focused research. We need more awareness brought to the differences in symptom presentation. More than anything, though, we need more of us to speak up and get loud about these injustices. I encourage all of you to share your stories with me. I want to start reading them on the podcast and bringing awareness through real stories of the difficulties explained here today. Thank you for listening today, guys. I encourage you to tune in next week to hear about some of my own struggles with acceptance from the people in my life, how to handle that if it's happening in yours. And then I will also have some tips that have helped me during the busy and loud holiday season. I look forward to hearing what you guys thought about today's episode and talking to you again next week. 